Digital workplace technology and tools have continually evolved and improved. They need to carry on doing so to meet the changing needs and expectations of employees. Different parts of the digital workplace industry play a role in this. Consultants who reflect on best practices, the practitioner community who give critical feedback and input, and of course, software providers who develop platforms and applications. Our podcast sponsors, WorkGrid, are a great example of a technology provider who play their part. They continually invest in the platform in response to customer feedback, issue product updates each month with enhancements and new features. They also continually innovate and push the envelope in the area of employee experience and have shown what is possible within our industry. You can check out their monthly product updates on their blog. You'll find a link in our show notes. And now on to our episode. I'm very, very excited about uh, a new report that's being written this year by one of our researchers around digital workplace anthropology. So actually looking at what digital workplace teams can can learn from the field of anthropology in terms of really understanding um, how people are working, uh, the cultures and structures that they're embedded in, and how that can then inform, uh, you know, the kind of digital spaces that we're that we're we're building um, in in workplaces that people uh, are going to inhabit. Today, when we think about culture, many of the elements of it are very intangible. They have real impacts, and and, and they matter but they're often very intangible. That may be uh, how uh, organizations treat work and work location may become one of those defining elements of a corporate culture. In this episode of Digital Workplace Impact, you'll have a chance to hear from Pete Fields, DWG's longtime executive sponsor of membership and benchmarking at Wells Fargo, also a four-year veteran of DWG's Digital Workplace of the Year Awards, where he served as part of our judging panel. Also joining us in the studio is Elizabeth Marsh, who is the Director of Research at Digital Workplace Group, along with the chairperson for our awards program. I have to say that I thoroughly enjoyed chatting with Pete and Elizabeth about some of the major topics hotting up in DWG's member forum with the backdrop of our 2021 research and award programs. Among the topics that we explored were things like managing citizen developers, AI and automation, humanizing the digital workplace, hybrid working, just to name a few. And now on to our episode. Happy listening. So Elizabeth and Pete, I'm thrilled to have a chance to sit down and chat with you for a bit about some of the latest trends that we're seeing in and around the digital workplace group circles. Maybe I can start with you, Elizabeth. Of course, you've been heading DWG's research program for a number of years now. Can you tell us a little bit about how the research program works? Hi, Nancy. Great to be here. Thanks for the the welcome. So, yeah, in a sense, DWG's research program isn't really a separate entity. It's really woven through everything that we that we do at DWG. So throughout the year, as we're talking to members, whether it's, you know, various kinds of meetings, one to ones in benchmarking uh, and we're really able to find out what's on members' minds and understand, you know, what are the things that are keeping them up at night? What are they excited about? And that all feeds in, um, I guess, once a year to 
us thinking about you know the topics we need to cover uh, the following year in the research program. So that's where we have the opportunity to really take the deeper dive uh, into certain topics. And usually we end up with a long list of something like 40 topics that we'd really like to dig into. And, and through a process with members uh, of voting, getting their feedback, you know, we whittle that down to the final program, usually of around five or six topics that we're going to cover. Uh, and being really conscious of, yeah, I always think of with the research that that um, I'm looking to sort of arm members with the things that they need to, you know, for their teams to learn, to, uh, you know, shape their strategy, come up with practical approaches. So that's very much the focus when we're, we're thinking about the new programme. So this vantage view that uh, DWG has sounds like it's um, quite powerful and impactful for the members and in some cases our, our wider industry circles as well. And of course, we have Pete with us. And Pete is someone who's been a long time DWG member from within the financial services industry. So Pete, tell us a little bit about sitting on the other side of the table. How have you and uh, the team that you've led at Wells Fargo used DWG research over the years? Sure. Well, first, Nancy and Elizabeth, thanks for having me. It's good to be here with you. Um, we've used the research in a wide range of ways. Uh, sometimes, for example, we knew that we didn't know the answers that we were seeking. So we would seek out, seek out DWG research to shape and inform our strategy or set direction. Other times, we were pretty sure that we knew the right answers for us. And in those cases, we'd use DWG research both to validate that thinking and to lend some of that external expert or third-party credence or validation to, uh, to our cases. Uh, last, I would add, we often use it just to help develop our people, to provide to them a set of good, uh, rich resources on which they could draw and to help evolve their thinking. Well, that's really helpful insight into the value that research adds. And so, Elizabeth, I'm really curious to get into now the insights around uh, topics that are in play across the DWG membership. Can you tell us a little bit about what's trending these days? What are some of the topics that are hotting up within DWG membership Sure. You know how much I, I love to talk about research, Nancy. So <laughs> we have different streams of research that have been going on uh, at DWG over the years. And some of those look at different, we look at different aspects. So for example, you know, how people are managing uh, the digital workplace, uh, uh, things around uh, change management and adoption, you know, some things around the technology. And, and so over the years, we're kind of developing those different themes. Now, one that um, members were really keen to see in the last couple of years was around AI and automation. And of course, I know you've interviewed one of our research authors, Steve Bingle, uh, on this podcast about a very recent report that we've we've published around AI, AI and automation. And that's a deep dive where really we wanted to help digital workplace teams kind of get AI and automation in perspective and, and look at some of the different use cases you know, whether it's kind of content knowledge management, process improvement, you know, is it about the experience employees are having and kind of dig into those um, and then think about, you know, aspects like like kind of government, governance, having the right skills, what are the ethics? So that was an exciting um, piece to get out. Um, and actually, we're going on this year to to build on that 
uh, with uh, uh, another report that Steve's going to be working on around no-code and low-code solutions. So thinking about, you know, how to get the most out of those solutions as they're becoming more co common. I think Gartner predicted that by 2023, you know, half of all medium to large organizations would have some kind of low-code application platform um, in-house. So how do you um, kind of manage citizen developers? What's the right governance and the right encouragement um, that, that you need to get the most out of that? So I think that's, again, going to be quite an eagerly um, awaited report. And managing citizen developers in a way is something that you have had experience with, Pete. I remember um, moments um, in uh, your time um, at Wells Fargo that um, you leveraged the notion of hackathons to help really accelerate some of the digital workplace capabilities. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that, that may be uh, a topic or an area that is coming of age. Uh, we have run some hackathons. We, we've long uh, kind of pined for or imagined a time when uh, general employees could, could develop applications or capabilities to, to meet their needs. With some of the new frameworks that are emerging, that's becoming more real than ever. And I know that several organizations already are struggling with and are breaking new ground in, uh, in frameworks for that low or no code solutions. So I, th I think that's especially timely. Great. And Elizabeth, I know there's more. So share with us some of the uh, additional topics that you and the team are highlighting this year. So another area um, that's coming to the fore, and again, another stream that we've been looking at over a number of years around uh, really that the, the humanizing the digital workplace. And so, you know, we've done research into um, how culture relates to uh, the digital workplace. We've looked at organizational readiness. And in fact, we're just about to publish an update to um, our organizational readiness research. So looking at the different elements of um, that readiness, whether it's at the sort of organizational system level, things like the leadership infrastructure, the, you know, cultivating the team, and then also the individual capabilities. So of course, we've looked at digital literacy and uh, getting into areas now of well-being as well and how to focus in the digital workplace. So really able to get into those details. We looked at last year, um, uh, you know, digital workplace overload and how that can occur. And I'm very, very excited about uh, a new report that's being written this year by one of our researchers around the, uh, dig digital workplace anthropology. So actually looking at what digital workplace teams can can learn from the field of an anthropology in terms of really understanding um, how people are working, uh, the cultures and structures that they're embedded in, and how that can then inform uh, you know the kind of digital spaces that we're that we're we're building um, in in workplaces that people uh, are going to inhabit. So I'm going to be getting a draft of that any day to to read, which will be very exciting. Yeah, as the program was shared with me, I loved that anthropological topic and the focus on what makes us human or what promotes humanization in digital work. As I thought of it, um, I, I thought of the analog world. And perhaps there are some parallels there between uh, humanization in the analog world and in the digital world. As I thought personally about it, I have uh, this instrument, a, a ballpoint pen. My daughter, Katie, and I picked it out together on a dad-daughter trip to Broadway when she was 16. 
we were wandering around and shopping between shows and we came on this boutique shop. So the writing instrument itself functions in a way that, that's easy and frictionless. I don't have to think about it as an instrument. Uh, it just does its job. But beyond that, it's, it's a thing of beauty. I experienced it as art. And I had this very human connection with it and affection for it. Maybe there's something there in terms of, of, of where you'll go with anthropology and digital work. Um, and I'm eager to see that. And on my side, Elizabeth, one of the things I'm thinking about is over the years with our digital workplace maturity benchmarking, one of the areas that's lagged is um, organizational readiness. And so the importance of tackling this subject in lots of different ways feels like it's taking on even more added importance given where we are today coming out of the deep state of a pandemic um, into whatever is going to be normal next. It's clear that this past year has been an accelerator for many digital workplace teams and for organizations at large with whether it's the Microsoft 365 effect and organizations rolling out team and Yammer capabilities very quickly to allow people to become uh, more self-sufficient working from home for prolonged periods of time conversations we've all had about things like digital fatigue and uh, digital overload, as you pointed out, um, among the research topics we've tackled recently. And the impact on people has been quite significant. And we also know at the same time that the pace of change around technology is accelerating. And so the fact that you and the research team are thinking very specifically about this topic is so important because the impact on individuals, teams, and organizations is so significant. And when we stop and think about it, it's not only about the workforce at large and helping to make sure that we have the right support systems in place, um, but also enabling leaders to play their roles in inspiring people, unlocking potential, providing nurturing and coaching, all as part of the wider culture of the organization is equally as important. And so I certainly think that uh, people will lean into this part of the conversation, especially when you stop to think about the fact that the hybrid workplace is becoming such an important part of what's needed next for many organizations. So you've got the likes of Ford Motor Company that um, announced the fact that they've invited 37,000 people to work from home forever to the other end of the spectrum where you have a lot of financial services companies and high-tech companies that are inviting large groups of people to come back to the office, if not headquarters. And so you'll have people sort of... um, you know, dealing with work-life reintegration in new ways, as well as those who continue to work from home for prolonged periods of time and then those in between. And so understanding the impact on people and how we can have the right support systems is part of the fabric of what it means to be a digital workplace professional. It's not just about plugging in the technology. I think, I mean, you raised some really interesting points there, Um you know, uh, obviously it's been a unique year, not one that we would have wished for, but that acceleration is very marked. And I've been, you know, conducting some benchmarking interviews over the last week and actually asking some questions around organisational readiness. And some of the areas that had been moving so slowly before around flexibility, 
and around, um, you know, supporting people with some of the softer skills to work in different ways, you know, have suddenly taken a, a big leap forward. And I think it's very interesting to see what happens next. You know, there's there's obviously, as you say, talk of hybrid working uh, and where we go with that organisations trying to work out what's, you know, what's the right balance and making sure that we don't sort of slip back to it, it sort of, you know, uh, practices that, that weren't really that effective. So actually a couple of the papers this year will be looking at um, A, that hybrid working and then also what we're calling sort of post-pandemic resilience for digital workplace teams. So looking at where in times of a kind of accelerated practices and rollouts, what what now needs to be looked at in terms of kind of recalibrating the strategy, any gaps that might have opened up in, in governance, and, and also what support people need um, going forwards, making sure that people haven't just been getting by with the tools, but can actually really um, use them use them kind of optimally. So, yeah, interesting times ahead, I think. Yeah, that, that too couldn't be a more timely topic, as hopefully much of the world prepares to, to transition back to a different normal. It, it will be interesting, and, and perhaps the research will, will delve into this, to see to what extent um, approaches toward hybrid work become a very tangible, clear, visible, defining part of corporate culture. Today, when we think about culture, many of the elements of it are very intangible. They have real impacts and, and, and they matter, but they're often very intangible. That may be uh, how uh, organizations treat work and work location may become one of those defining elements of a corporate culture. And one of the things we've been talking quite a lot with members about is the idea that the digital workplace is the essential workplace. And we look at the last year and how important it's been for business resiliency and business continuity purposes. It's really given prominence to the digital workplace as a strategic asset inside of organizations, whether you think of it as a portfolio um, or you think of it as part of ways of working or um, an ecosystem. The idea is that we will have potentially waves of you know further health care concerns, political events, weather events, even if you think about what happened to you know one of the pipelines in the US, you know even um, human acts can can all have an impact on where people need to work at any given time and being able to provide that flexibility, that resiliency, that continuity is not just something that ends when COVID wanes, but something that needs to be part of the ongoing thinking of both digital workplace professionals as well as the organizations they support. You know, I can't help but wonder if there won't be at least some element of uh, reverse business continuity. In the past, uh, a component of most business continuity plans was send people home to, to log on and work from home. If in the future there is a hybrid model of work uh, or many people are still working remotely by choice and you have a widespread internet outage, we had one in our region of North Carolina just last week, does a business continuity plan become come into the office to, to log on to work? Mm. So that, that too will be interesting. Fascinating idea to think about for that research report, Elizabeth. Mm, yeah, and I think we want to, you know, sort of, sort of related to that point, think about, you know, when when do people in a team 
come in? When do they come together? Uh, you know, in this in this mixed model, if there's perhaps you know X number of days that they're going to come into the office, when does that happen? How does that happen? And how do you spark that creativity across the different ways that you're working um, as a team as well? So I think there's quite a few interesting aspects to explore um, as we go into that research. One of those interesting aspects is the, the function of corporate properties. I've talked with several colleagues recently whose plans at their large organizations are to have everyone come into the office Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, or Wednesday and Thursday, to promote some level of you know ad hoc collaboration and team building and so on. If that's the case, are corporate properties organizations then in a situation where they are identifying and leasing space to accommodate the full workforce, but only two-sevenths of the time or three-sevenths of the time? And, and how do you make that work from an efficiency perspective? So and I have zero answers on it, but I think it's an interesting question. It sure is. And I would imagine that some organizations will start to think about how to utilize their spaces differently. And in some cases, you know, will there be emergence of co-working spaces that allow uh, people from different organizations to come together to get things done. Whereas very traditionally, we, you know, we've seen offices and cube farms and lots of different designs. Um, and we need to start thinking about the fact that people who are coming back to the office really crave that human connection and are looking to think about, you know, how to connect with people in more meaningful ways um, when they do come to the office and, and how will the office in tandem with technology work hand in glove to support those changing needs going forward. And so, Elizabeth, I'm curious, have we hit all of the big topics that you and the team are tackling with members this year? Well, there's just a couple more that we've got up our sleeves. So um, one is around uh, modern workplace learning. And so this is a bit of a new departure. So we've looked at, um, as I've said, aspects of readiness. We've looked at digital literacy. Um, but this is going to be a much broader report looking really at the, the convergence of digital workplace and, and learning and how that learning is kind of happening in the flow of work, whether it's, you know, sort of apps or chatbots or different aspects. So um, that that research is, is going on in, in the background at, at the moment. And I think it's going to be quite an exciting piece um, as well. You know, we have uh, lots of um, talk going on about Microsoft Beaver and what's happening in this space. It's, it's, it's an area that's that's really shifting. And I think one that, you know, bringing more understanding for digital workplace teams, looking at, you know, what are some of the, the kind of leading examples is, is going to be really relevant this year. Elizabeth, if I looked at the docket, that's the only one that perhaps somewhat surprised me. Traditionally, we've thought learning as uh, an LMS, a learning management system kind of thing, and, and not especially enjoyable or perhaps even an effective one. But we are increasingly seeing that push or lean to at least accommodate more natural integration of those learning and development experiences. You referenced uh, Microsoft Viva. Uh, their experience platform, I think, is starting with that vertical. So that sends a strong signal. So I'll be really fascinated to see what that research reveals. And I'd say, you know, importantly, um, many people have had to really channel their energies around learning to remote channels. And 
that's been pretty tricky for some during the past year. Um, and so I know many organizations are thinking about, you know, as people are starting to come back to the office, what are all the different elements um, around learning that need to come together for a more modern experience? And you'll see uh, coming up on the docket for uh, digital workplace impact that I had a chance to chat with an executive from the World Bank. And we talked about the idea that um, you know, onboarding um, is fully virtual at the World Bank, and they are going to be introducing the notion of inboarding, which has more of a business flavor to work uh, as a complement to the enterprise onboarding activities. And some of those key elements will actually happen in person in addition to some of the virtual components. And so, again, it comes back to the fact that people are craving human connection and we have to pick the moments that matter for what things happen physically in person, what things happen virtually, and then what things can come together in a vir- uh, in a hybrid setting. And so, Elizabeth, we're really looking forward to hearing what you and the team uh, start to flush out as part of that research as well. Yeah, it feels like a t- time where a lot of things can get reinvented. Um, and that's, you know, that's one of them. And again, an area sort of seeing, um, you know, seeing more progress, perhaps, and, and elements of social learning and, you know, that, that kind of peer element as well being being brought in a lot more through, you know, the kind of tools that we have now in, in the digital workplace. And then another, I mean, and our final area that we're, we'll be looking at this year is around business intelligence. Um, and again, an area with, you know, a lot, uh, perhaps a lot more movement now um, in terms of, uh, you know, really being able to bring uh, data sources together in the digital workplace and start to, um, you know, pull those out in live, live dashboards and be able to kind of really integrate that for, you know, various different job roles. So we'll be looking to really kind of dig into some of the, um, you know, examples of good practice there to, to pull that out. It's, it's been an area that, uh, you know, we've wanted to, to look into for several years and it, it feels like the time is time is right this this year. I think you're absolutely right. And of course, I know that featuring case studies in the research is really an important part of the story that the research team is trying to tell to really help exemplify those areas of good practice, experimentation, innovation, and elements that allow people to do, you know, their best work through digital channels. And so um, I'd like to take us on a slightly different course now that we've had a chance to explore some of the, the mega trends that the research team is, is talking about with DWG members and talk a little bit more about some of those living examples. And I know that one of your key sources for rich case studies has long been now the Digital Workplace of the Year Awards. And I think it's really interesting to be able to fold this conversation into today's chat because, of course, Pete has been one of the judges uh, for the Digital Workplace of the Year Awards for, I'm thinking, four years now. Pete. It's um, been uh, quite an interesting history. And so I know the awards are now actively in play. Um, I'd love to get a little bit of perspective from from you, Elizabeth, about 
what we can expect from the awards this year and hopefully some insights from you as well, Pete, having been a longtime member of the judging panel. Yeah, thanks, Nancy. It's been actually really, I've really enjoyed the discussions that we've had, Pete, when we're on the judging panel um, around, you know, trying to trying to just understand what different organisations are doing and, and looking at the the elements of good practice. So um, that's that's been really fascinating over the over the years that we've we've done that. So yeah, the awards this year are, are open, and actually um, this year we've expanded them slightly. So we um, have uh, a digital work, workplace leader of the year. So really uh, wanting to acknowledge. Uh, the people leading digital workplace initiatives across different organisations and that kind of passion and uh, innovation that they bring to to what they do. Um, We have, of course, the the main Digital Workplace of the Year um, award. And in in a way, it's a a tough award because we're we're looking across, um, you know, different elements of practice, how how the strategy is uh, kind of formulated, the rationale, you know, what kind of governance and then actually the the the, the aspects of you know the, the features the 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 way that users are engaged and of course the the results that are being produced and you know we've seen some really fascinating entries there and then we added a third one because you know we see some great entries that are um, perhaps not looking at so much at the wider digital workplace but really some terrific modern intranets. So we've added the modern intranet uh, award this year to acknowledge, you know, the great work that's being done there. So what we like to say is you don't need to be perfect to enter. So in previous years, we've had uh, not only some great winners, but also um, some additional awards where we've um, acknowledged specific areas of practice that the organisations have done really well. So, of course, last year we had DBS Bank as a, as a really clear winner. Um, and then, you know, for example, um, we had an entry from the city of Malmo, really tremendous user engagement um, in that example. And so we, um, we gave them a special um, award for that. Another example, uh, I think, from last year was uh, we had Fidelity Investments, you know, with an award for strategic vision. So there's acknowledgement of those those aspects of, of, of great practice as well. So, uh, but it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts, Pete, about, you know, what sort of the, the entries we've seen over the years and uh, what's kind of really struck you. Sure. Well, first, it was always an honor to be asked to judge. So, so thank you for that honor. I, I enjoyed it. A couple of things uh, kind of stand out to me about the experience. First is always it was educational. Without fail, as as I read through the entries, I learned from from what others were doing. Uh, oftentimes, uh, entrants were very candid about things that didn't work. So without fail, I learned. But secondly, and perhaps even, even more impactful to me, is I always found it inspirational. Um, I found it heartwarming as I read into the entries, the great pride, the satisfaction, the enthusiasm that entrants had for their work, their joy in their work was apparent, it was palpable. Um, so throughout their writing and, and their entries, you could just see how proud they were of their work. And, uh, and I always left the judging exercise happy. It just made me happy to, uh, to uh, derive from that experience, the joy that others had, had for their work. And Elizabeth, one of the things I've said to both um, DWG members and to people in our wider circles is that there's a benefit to applying, even if you are um, either at a 
a crossroads with your digital workplace program or new to the space. I, once upon a time, uh, was new to the digital workplace arena um, back in my days working in financial services. And suddenly I was responsible for the team that um, needed to care for the employee experience. Back then we talked about it more as the usability and accessibility agendas, but the, the point was that essentially this was uncharted territory for me, managing a team of very seasoned, certified analysts who were expert in this area. And I said, the way we were going to set our strategy is by applying for an award um, understand what they're looking for, and then go back the next year and use the time in between to really accelerate our focus and impact. And we did just that. Um, so, you know, this was the Nielsen Norman Awards used year one to flush out our strategy, leveraging uh, the awards framework, and then actually coming back the next year to uh, apply. And I actually shared that uh, insight with one of the organizations that ended up being part of our winner's circle, um, American Express, some years back. So, um, just to pick up on your point, Pete, about the awards being an opportunity to learn from other people, I think that can happen from both sides of the equation. Um, and in some cases, we've seen that it's um, borne out that uh, it can be an accelerator for the work that teams are doing. So we not only encourage first-time applicants, but for those who've been through the process before, it's worthwhile coming back into the application process as well, because the uh, digital workplace is a very dynamic space and um, your areas of strength, um, those spotlight moments can change with time as well. I think we've all had the experience of, you know, um, uh, as a practitioner, and that's going back a few years um, for me uh, uh, as well, but, you know, you're, you're so in the thick of it that um, actually, there's there's not always that time to um, sort of uh, perhaps just step back and reflect and, and get that perhaps, you know, more objective view of what you're doing. Of course, that's what we do in depth in benchmarking. But actually, we've had, you know, sort of teams sit down around their awards entry and um, really use that as a chance to reflect and, and, and put that together. So, yeah, I think it's 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 a good process in that sense. And actually, we've had an example of um, it was Shire uh, who entered uh, and uh, didn't win an award and then came back and re-entered and actually you know the, the the judges could see the progress that they'd made and and you know they got a special award for for that so there's there's all kinds of different ways that I think the awards can be beneficial and as well just in that that sense of celebration that, that Pete also picked up on you know of really as an industry celebrating the 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 work that people are doing and, and the passion and effort that they they put in as well. That's one of the things, Elizabeth, that I've appreciated about the way you and the Digital Workplace Group have approached those awards is that as we considered entries and came together as judges to discuss them, if there was something, an, an entry that didn't really fit um, for, for any of the primary categories, but just cried out for recognition, um, you and, and the organization have been very good about finding special ways to to recognize that particular achievement, whether it's creating a, a certain type of, of just acknowledgement. But but I've appreciated that you've been willing to do that. 
Thank you. And so, Elizabeth, we'll have um, another window of opportunity to talk about the awards in the coming weeks. Um, Graham Kennedy from Fidelity Investments, who uh, was um, at the helm of um, the special category award you talked about earlier, as well as one of our game changers in the leadership award categories coming into the Digital Workplace Impact Studio. So we'll have a chance to uh, get a bit more of a, a deep dive on the Fidelity story um, because uniquely they you know, they hit two categories last year. And so I'm, I'm excited that's coming together. Of course, uh, we will share within the show notes not only the uh, fact sheet on the 2021 research program, but also more information about the awards. We're coming to the end of our time together, so I just want to open things up for one final question, um, and that is just to ask both of you, Pete and Elizabeth, whether you have any final reflections about either the member research program or the awards that you'd like to share. Just a, a final comment, and, and thanks for the opportunity to do that. On a somewhat personal note, I'm transitioning this year out of a long career with Wells Fargo, leading work in this space. Um, the digital workplace itself is both a mature space, harkening back to the days of intranets and portals, and continues to be a highly emergent space. You know, as I looked at the at the coming research program in that somewhat personal context, it was noteworthy to me to see both that maturity and that sense of reinvention and emergence in the program. So the digital workplace has room to grow, more ways that it can drive business, more ways it can help uh, employees thrive, and I see all that reflected in the program. And I think that ties nicely to the idea that when uh, we first came into these circles, very often organizations treated the digital workplace like a project that had a definite beginning, middle, and end. And when you think about where we were um, earlier in this conversation, we were talking about the fact that COVID has had a profound effect on the digital workplace such that in many organizations, it's really now a strategic asset of the organization that's a living, breathing ecosystem or, or portfolio, depending on the language you use. And so having the opportunity to recognize those organizations that are doing something special in this space to help change the thinking, to help change the effect of uh, and and value that organizations are delivering to whomever their end clients are is um, a, a worthy pause in a conversation like this today. So Elizabeth, I'll turn things over to you for the final, final reflection. Oh, thank you, Nancy. And it's, a, it's such a pleasure to be here with you and Pete today and actually reflecting on these things. It's, it's very enjoyable. You know, I'm excited to see what award entries we get this year. Last year, in the midst of the pandemic, we thought that entries might be down a bit, and, and that would be understandable, but actually they weren't. And we heard, you know, quite a few stories of how people and teams were, were kind of pushing through with, you know, the, the various new launches, new resources, things that they were working on, you know, scaling up all, all, in all kinds of ways. And so I'm very interested to see you know, the emphasis of the entries that come in this year, as we've talked about, you know, in a period of um, a lot of flux, a lot of uncertainty, but also opportunity and acceleration and, and to see really how how people are uh, innovating and, 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 you know, taking things forward uh, in, in our industry. And of course, once the awards have been 
judged and announced. I'll look forward to us coming back together to talk a little bit about the things that we've learned, as well as give, you know, worthy recognition and celebration to the actual winners. So Elizabeth and Pete, thank you so much for coming into the studio today. I could chat with you both for hours, but um, (laughs) maybe we'll give the conversation a a worthy pause for now. And um, we'll catch up again real soon. Thanks so much for coming into the studio today for a chat. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Digital Workplace Impact is brought to you by the Digital Workplace Group. DWG is a strategic partner covering all aspects of the evolving digital workplace industry, not only through membership, but also benchmarking and boutique consulting services. For more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com.